0: binging on movies with rebecca and jason
1: are you gonna love them or hate them here Here comes comes the the binge. binge Hey everybody, welcome to the Binge Movie Podcast, in which a couple of homos review the latest movie theater releases from our own queer-ass perspectives. My name is Jason Leroy.
0: My name is Rebecca Olarte, and today we're going to take a look at three movies. My Big Fat Greek Wedding 2, Batman vs. Superman, and... Krecia. Krecia. Uh, and as always, we're going to rate them on a three-tiered scale, with Binge It being the highest rating consumer moderation means it's okay but it's kind of meh and send it back means
1: life is too short for that mess
0: let's get started jason what's up with you
1: well thank you for asking uh first i want to point out that the full title is batman versus superman dawn of justice who has
0: (laughs) that kind of time
1: you want to talk about life's too short for that mess that phrase was invented for the name of that movie and for the movie itself but we'll get to that later what's up with me well let's see I have been spending a lot of time alone in my apartment over the last two weeks because Scott has had a few business trips
0: so, you're at that point. Of yeah. The
1: yeah, we got there. You know, it's been a little over a year. I feel like by California standards, we had a good run.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was and, beautiful.
1: Uh, and now I just have like step families I don't know about in a few cities around the country.
0: <laughs> and like mm. uh, Redding and like Bakersfield.
1: Yeah, all those all those California places That's that like people have their hidden area families. the of
0: California, right? Because <laughs> it it's so big.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's lots of hidden families tucked away in all those places. And now I have a few, <laughs> or rather Scott does. But. Uh so point being I have been a lonely apartment a lot and I have you know I've been living with Scott now for s- seven years. Mm, that's a long time. Um, yes. And uh together for almost eleven. And or no, ten. Ten. And so <laughs> I have gotten very accustomed to having someone around all the time. And normally when Scott's away, I'm just kind of like, yay! And just kind of dancing around. But you know, <laughs> this time I felt this kind of resurgence of when I used to be, like, a teenager and would get, like, night terrors. Oh. And not, not like, the night terrors when you're, like, asleep and you wake up screaming. Yeah. But night terrors where you're just, like, you're sitting by yourself, and then every little sound makes you, like, fucking so on edge that your nerves are just, like, gradually sanded down. And then you're maybe, like, making sure that a knife's within reach in case oh. someone comes in and tries to, you know have their way with you I should be so lucky but <laughs> fingers <it's>, crossed I've <laughs> <laughs> left the door unlocked for the last few months um mysterious stranger so uh yeah so it's been it's been weird it's been just a weird resurgence of that thing of just being absolutely terrified like doing the perimeter around the apartment multiple times like making sure every door is locked every window is locked and still thinking that somehow someone Even doing the check under the bed.
0: Wow. Yes. Yes. So are you asking me to spend the night?
1: (laughs) He's actually back now. But yes, I am asking you to spend the night. (laughs) I thought you'd never pick up on that.
0: I've been waiting outside all week. (laughs) clawing at the windows.
1: God damn it! <laughs> Waiting
0: for you to wake up. So wait, I, it's weird because you had there are so many like windows and doors to this for being an apartment. Yeah, like when it we has a lot of ways to get in. We moved to a single family unit a year ago, and that came out of nowhere. Like mm. being in an apartment behind an elevator and two locked doors, and then a hallway. Right. on the sixth floor was really safe. Yeah, you were tucked except away, in a fire, except right? for in the
1: worst possible neighborhood. Right, <laughs> right. at the time, a
0: little little safety zone in the middle of hell. Yes, but now that we're at, <laughs> we're in a, a single family unit, it's they're everything. You can walk in anywhere right oh, it's yeah. like a one floor house every window is a is an opportunity yeah. to get killed or robbed uh, every door it was it's terrible I but know. yeah you have a lot of windows you have we a lot do. of doors every the security system i've been in and out it's, it's <laughs> very unsafe i can totally I understand why you're i terrified.
1: have not i have not had to come down and actually let her in in ages <laughs> just show course, up in the kitchen and part of this is her hard scrabble youth wiring cars and and you know like knowing how to punch through a window without anyone noticing <laughs>
0: that's racist
1: but <laughs> <laughs> listen don't say that about your childhood <laughs> <laughs> you own it. Uh so yeah, so just lots of lots of living in fear is how things have been going with me. So that explains the bags under your eyes. <laughs> You fucking bitch <laughs> What's up with you Rebecca? Uh,
0: Not too much I started Oh I watched Cloverfield again this week Oh a second time Cloverfield Lane Really? I feel like we It's probably still too soon Because there are still people Who haven't seen it Not everyone goes and sees the movie The first mm-hmm. week But maybe in like a month or so I think we should revisit it Because we handled that movie Very carefully Because we didn't want to Right we didn't um, want to do spoilers Spoilers Right um, But seeing it again I think we should revisit it with uh, And just talk about our favorite parts And the things that we would have changed And you know Review the movie without such tenderness. Yeah.
1: yeah, if does that sound good to you guys? If it does, hit us up on Twitter and let us know. Let us know. I'm at the Jason Leroy. And Rebecca's at Fight Balance. I
0: am. Yeah. It was also uh, It was also as loud the second time. So that was is it? Okay. Intentional. So that's just the way it is. And I was thinking of that when you were talking about like how every noise is like oh, yeah. grinding down your just nerves amplified. until you're like a prisoner. I know. I was thinking
1: about Cloverfield when those words came out of my yeah. mouth. Who do you, do you see it with Shasta? I did. Yeah. Did she freak out?
0: She She was nervous. Yeah. There's yeah. definitely like, I mean, it makes you it's like a torture movie.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. But she loved it. It was great. But in a good way. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like good in a way that movie. means it works.
1: Good torture movie. Yes. Absolutely.
0: Speaking of a bad torture movie should we start yeah let's do it the first movie of the week is my big fat greek wedding 2 a portakalos family secret brings the beloved characters back together for an even bigger and Greeker wedding
1: this family's always in my business keep your
0: eyeballs open for a nice greek boy so one day you can make babies they follow me everywhere i need some air so, this is another movie uh, continuing the thread of comedy sequels that have taken over a decade to make. Mm-hmm. Um, we just watched Zoolander 2. Yeah. Um, and nobody was asking for, for either of these, I don't think. Um, <laughs> no. Did you like this one better than Zoolander 2? Uh,
1: I would say that no. I thought Zoolander 2 was better than this. Oh. Yeah. I think it was more polished. I think it was better made as a film. I thought it had the, the few, the bright spots it had were brighter. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I think that Zoonar Two also was more offensive. Yeah, um, although I, I don't know how the Greeks feel about the Greek jokes in these movies. I think that the last time around they were like, "Oh, it's so true." I mean, this time they're going to be like, "Okay, enough." <laughs> I, well, there was Who there were some
0: people in the audience that were like, "We're here for a Greek perspective." I think there was a there's a bit of a, you know, like anything from Ohio, we're like, "Yeah," except right. this is with Greek. It
1: seems people. yes, it seems like the Greeks in general enjoy the first movie, so maybe they'll like this one too. So yeah, so the or 2, more offensive, but also a better movie.
0: I agreed. Think. Yeah, agreed. It was definitely more, um, it was directed better. Yes, um, there was a better story.
1: Yes, um, I know. Which and it had a terrible story. Yeah, but and still, like that's just how just mediocre and lame, this Sequel is yeah. Is I still, I still think that the movie as like as just wretched as Zoolander two somehow <laughs> looks like the fucking pick of the week compared to this.
0: Uh, I would say though that the the offensive factor does trump this for me. So I would say that this sure. one's better because it's not as offensive. Mm. Um, even though it's still kind of well, it's very on backwards. brand for you. It's very on brand. So because I'm sticking with it. Mm. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, as far as if you were just to take you know social responsibility aside, then this then Zoolander
1: two. Right. Would be social responsibility aside, the Jason Leroy story.
0: <laughs> we blaming for this hot pile of greek mess
1: well i mean i think it's nia Vardalos's fault uh she's just trying to
0: get those checks she i don't know what
1: the fuck she's doing but i mean she wrote the screenplay mm. uh she plays the lead again and i honestly don't know which she should be more embarrassed about between yeah. the screenplay and her performance yeah it was really weak it was a such a weird performance yeah. like, it was so weirdly like turned up mm-hmm. like her her line readings were so bizarre and not bizarre in, like, a kooky Lisa Kudrow way. Bizarre in, like, a <laughs> why are you yelling your lines? Right, right. Why are you, like, it, like at weird moments, her character would get, like, hyper-emotional in a way that just did not track at all.
0: Yeah, it felt like it was almost, like, edited differently than it was expected to. I
1: feel like they did a lot of, I feel like the editing, and you and I talked about this, and we can talk about here, too. The editing is a huge part of the problem in this movie. Definitely. Like, and editing is a kind of thing that, like, you only really know. We take good editing for granted because you never mm-hmm. even notice editing unless it's bad. It's like a smell. You never notice a smell unless it's bad. Yeah. You don't know you don't notice good smells?
0: I mean, no. (laughs) I mean unless it's like fucking good smell. (laughs)
1: Life's too short for good smells. (laughs) The Rebecca Larte story. There, we have our companion novels. Um. (laughs) Uh, So no, I think that, you know, the editing in this movie is so so bad. There are lots of extra beats. Um, where there shouldn't be beats and and, you, mm-hmm. and, and and like weird setups that are unnecessary for scenes. Yeah. Um, but though that aside, I feel like given what we already agreed about, about the editing being so bad, they could have just picked really weird, bad takes yeah. for a lot of those scenes where like, they're like, okay, like now Nia do one where you're like really emotional. And she's like, okay. And they do, <laughs> and then they just use that one and f- then there's no context for it. Right, right. So her performance is very bad and her screenplay is Horrible, And mm-hmm. I don't know, like, who else worked on besides her. But she's the only a credited writer. And, like, it's just, like, a fucking lame grab bag of family movie cliches. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Sprinkled with rehashed Greek jokes from the first movie. Right. And that's it. And she is so likable. She's so, like, I really like her as a presence on screen. Mm-hmm. And I want to cheer for her because she's a woman and she's creating, you know, she created this huge monster success indie movie that turned into, right. like, the blockbuster of the early aughts. And we all, everyone loved it. Critics loved it. Audiences loved it. So I was rooting for her. And this movie is just the worst. Like, it's so just embarrassing. It
0: was very, very difficult to sit through. Um, So what about the rest of the, uh, like, the on-screen talent? What did you think about that? What did you think about John Corbett?
1: Well, I think that John Corbett is either turning into Cherry Jones or vice versa. (laughs) I can't quite figure out, but I think if they cross at the midpoint, like Benjamin Button style, I think, I think there'll be some kind of eclipse, an eclipse of sexiness.
0: I think it's time to cut his hair.
1: You think so? It's yeah. time to cut his hair. Yeah, no, he looks ridiculous. He does look um, ridiculous.
0: And there's this one part when they're in the car where he, it is just, I mean, I feel like there's a whole series in the middle of the movie where it's one particularly unflattering angle of him after another. Yes. It's like when someone shows you photos, they took a view to party, you're like, no, never show that one. I, I yeah. look drunk. It's That's all, terrible. It's
1: all, every angle is between his chins. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Everyone doesn't miss a it's chance. Not kind. No. Um, but and what no, about he, the rest of the terrible. big Greek Family. So I think that there are three good supporting performances in this mm-hmm. movie. Uh, so there's Andrea Martin oh, yeah. and Lainey Kazan as mm-hmm. the two sort of Greek matriarchs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and these are both amazing, like, body broads uh, who always just turn in really, you know, just campy, fun performances. Yeah, Andrea Martin in particular. Uh, she really,
0: she's great in this. Yeah,
1: really nails every line that she has. Mm-hmm. And Lainey Kazan is just a delight. Uh, and Michael Constantine, who plays Lena Kazan's husband. Her father. All yes. Right. Also, I think is, is very funny. Mm-hmm. And is doing, you know, kind of just a, a successful variation of what made him so funny in the first movie. right? Even when he's saying stupid things from the screenplay. He, he does it with a lot of heart. Mm-hmm. So, those three were all great. Everyone else was so bad! <laughs> oh my god! They were all so bad. All like the ancillary players from last time, like the slutty hairdresser and the fucking like broy guy who's always running around going my nuts
0: yeah uh, with the chains yeah
1: with the chains both so bad the teenage daughter
0: yeah that was tough
1: oh that man was, hard. was she bad she was like bad like sub like sitcom doesn't get picked up bad yeah yeah so embarrassing and you know and she's stuck in this like stupid 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 storyline of like being like the embarrassed goth sullen da- daughter yeah there
0: wasn't a lot written for her i no. mean you know an actress can do something with nothing but they're really she didn't have a lot to work with no
1: no no it was a very stock character Mm -hmm. and what about
0: that uh in sync fella
1: oh yeah and joey fatone alias joey fat one uh is now lives up to his name um not to body stark a former boy bander but um he plays a gay character now he's gay now and spoiler uh, yeah, alert, that was already. Believe me, the gay press already picked that up. They were all like, "Joey Fatone comes out, in my big fat Greek wedding too." I think they definitely leaked that to the gay press to like work whatever angle they could mm, to get mm-hmm. Felicity. Yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, Joey Fatone is outed in a really bizarre way in this movie. So strange.
0: It's another one of those those part, the parts of the story where it's just things. So many things are just sort of thrown in. In such a cheap, fast way. They yeah. They don't have enough it's build like, up. They yeah. Just, the, no setup. He like, doesn't
1: earn it. Like He's just there in the background for like most of the movie, just looking cheesy as fuck. And also, I'm pretty sure he's Italian. Fatone. Yeah. You don't get much more Italian than Fatone. I think the other- Joseph Fatone. The, that's an Italian that's a, name.
0: That's a good impression of an Italian person. Thank you. Um, not. Not. <laughs>
1: You are coming for me today. Who you are is, just nagging me to shit. Who
0: is that? Who Whoever plays his brother. I think he's also an Italian American
1: actor. Quite possibly. So, yeah, he gets outed. There's a lot of crossover. He, he, yeah, there is. And 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 let's not get into Greeks and Jews.
0: No, let's not. <laughs> let's never.
1: <laughs> um, so, yeah, so he gets outed in this kind of weird, like, just throwaway, heartwarming moment mm-hmm. between him and his mother. And then, but then and his, he has, like, a guy who he's seeing who's his partner but like business partner but also like fucking partner. And but like they don't they don't show them do more than hold hands during like a big Greek circle dance. Yeah. Like that that's the, that's the or whatever those people do. Wow, so, wow. yes. So I don't understand. It's not it it's 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 it, it, it's just it's just a throwaway thing like, "Oh, let's have let's get some goodwill going by having like a a moment where a Greek boy gets affirmed by his mother just, you know, for being gay." Right. So yeah, so that's a weird thing. Enjoy Fatone's terrible in the movie.
0: Do you, Do you think that like this kind of movie, this kind of movie seems so antiquated now? And I don't know if it's because we've moved mm-hmm. to the West Coast and people aren't as closely related to their European heritage as they were, like even in Ohio, and they are in the East Coast. Or this if it's takes because place in like, Chicago suburbs, this is just a it's a different world than it was 10, mm-hmm. 12 years ago when the last movie came out. Like, right. this seems to fall... I mean, I'm sure there's an audience that's a bit older than us that might still appreciate this kind of right, really, really targeted ethnic humor. Um, but I don't know. It just <laughs> seems to be... It just seems like a, it's a step backwards. And
1: it, It's something that, like, when she did it, it was new. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. it was the first time that someone was like, let's just make a big parody of Greek culture sure um, it was new about greeks yeah it was new about greeks exactly and that's all it takes like it just takes being the first one to be like hey like you know what it's like being greek mm-hmm. or you know with like you know like you know you, jeff foxworthy like sure. you know like yeah. whenever you you are the first one to really like get a lot of attention for being like oh i'm gonna make jokes about this this kind of this population or this culture And then everyone recognizes—if it's good enough that they recognize themselves in it, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. then that becomes instantly, like, immortal. And everyone's like, yes, it's so true! Although, one thing that the last movie came out before was YouTube. And, you know, like the fi- like that giant year-long stretch of shit so-and-so says. Oh, yeah. So basically, mm-hmm. like, shit my Greek family says yeah. video yeah. could really just do the job of the sequel. In like
0: three and a half minutes. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. It would just like that's get it, just rapid-fire jokes of like, and then, you know, you'd watch it and you're like, oh, it's so true. And then that's that. And then you move on to the next video, you forget it. And maybe so it's because
0: like, I don't know, maybe it's again because of where we live. But like, like Greek culture doesn't seem to be so concentrated or so... Um, big in, in America that it's like enough that you can relate to. You yeah. know what I mean? like It's not something that where it's like a kind of culture that you're very familiar with. So you're like, I oh, think, I get that Greek joke because I, I don't know. really... I've, I've known like two people who were yeah. like very I, Greek.
1: I had a good friend in high school who was Greek and and after that and then one in college and I think that's it. But what I think what they're counting on is the idea that you'll watch it and kind of relate to it in your own family to be like, oh, look, these Greek families are having the same things that I have in, in my, you know, Guatemalan family.
0: Guatemalan. <laughs> but I mean, what's America now? It's like What's America now? <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right, Andy Rooney, get ready. Uh, <laughs> What's America I'll just,
0: now? I'll stop. <laughs> no. I'll stop before <laughs> I go are, too far.
1: Where are, you, are you going with this? I'm just like, are the just, cultures that are... In terms of the melting pot of it all? Yeah, I mean, so
0: we have like uh, Fresh Off the Boat, which is very popular, and you have mm-hmm. blackish, You know, Eastern European nationalities don't have that kind of right. uh, presence, that right. well, sort he, of buying power in that.
1: Yeah, sort of like the stories of of white ethnicity, white ethnic groups. I don't mm. know. I mean, I guess technically, well, Greek is like Mediterranean. It's, it's white. <laughs> From your perspective, it's white. <laughs> Ask me. Yeah, <laughs> you don't. You're not welcome in the brown club if you're a guy <laughs> in the door. Uh, so, uh, well, I asked for a think piece, and I got it. There you uh, go. So, but yeah, no, I think it's true that we've moved on to like we're not really looking to hear what else white people have to say about their cultures, right? Um, you know, so uh, and 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 yeah, there is are like blackish and fresh off the boat. We're going to hear perspectives we haven't heard before, mm-hmm. and and the first movie was that it was a perspective yeah. we hadn't heard before. Mm-hmm. I mean, there had obviously been movies about you know Greek culture and things like that. It's not like the Greeks have been absent from culture, um. <laughs> but uh, but in terms of like lampooning contemporary Greek culture in America and like the American suburbs, she was the first one to really yeah. nail it, and she did. She, she fucking did. nailed it. And and you know no no one can take that away from her. But this sequel is unnecessary, and it just sullies the whole thing. And I don't know if it was like an idea of fan culture and like this this like just giving the fans what they want. But I just don't know that anyone was asking for this. The
0: fans that we saw it with enjoyed it. When the we went to, people were crying, they were clapping. And they were laughing in the movie. Yes. What you have a theory on this, though?
1: Yeah, I sometimes wonder because, you know, I go to so many of these. Um, the screenings that I go to, guys, I probably like nine times out of ten are um, promo screenings where they give out free passes to whoever's lucky enough to get their grubby mitts on them. <laughs> and um, we we call those people pass holes. Not me. <laughs> not, I don't mean me and Rebecca. Uh, I mean, uh, I, mean I mean, I asshole, mean, asshole critics like myself. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so the pass holes, um, I sometimes wonder when I go to these just God awful fucking movies and like, no matter how bad it is, no matter how, like, how inevitably low the tomato meter score is, there are just like tons of people who are just having the most outsized ideal goal target reactions. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, are you guys fucking plants? (laughs) Because like, you can't like this. You just can't. But then I think there's also that heightened thing of like, The pass holes have to wait in line to get into the theater, Mm -hmm. and it's a long line, and they have to show up really early. And it's a free movie. And I think there's just that heightened thing of like, I waited in line and I'm going to have a good fucking time. And I'm going to see this movie before other people. Exactly.
0: But the plan idea is interesting because then as someone who's going in there trying to be a critic of the movie, you mm. are confused because you yes. are clearly thinking something is, is terrible, but everyone around you is like clapping and laughing and right. crying. And of course... It makes you doubt yourself.
1: Nothing makes me doubt myself. Okay. But... <laughs> that's fair. But no, uh, it does... Like, and it, other
0: things White Jason says.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I... I I was I always think like okay well it's good for me to see that there are people who could enjoy it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, it just doesn't mean I understand those people. Yeah. Um you know certainly at this screening cuz I like guys like is there anything more painful than bad comedy that doesn't land? No. That's it's so fucking painful and that that's this movie pretty much beginning to end. Like I I I'm tr- I feel like maybe there's one or two bits usually involving the actors Andrew I Martin. mentioned before yeah. Andrew Martin. Um, where I feel like it worked, but then it was just right back into a sea of nope.
0: Have you been to any, uh, uh, screening where the people, the audience didn't like it? Um,
1: well, the funny, it's, it's, I think there have been times when, you know, walking out, you get stuck in the sea of unwashed masses, all, <laughs> all clamoring to get the cell phones. They were forced to check in and uh and and, and you know, and you'll hear usually it's movies that like are good movies <laughs> so it's like movies where you know we're like i'm like oh that was good and then walking out here someone like oh, i was fucking terrible that was stupid what was her name in that oh she was awful you know it's like,
0: Julianne moore
1: <laughs> you, you heathen believe. i know and then i just like i'm walking out like a sea of like my dad's <laughs> just being like what was that <sighs> i was like i don't know what was going on in there so, yeah, so it's, I feel like the shitty ones they always love and the good ones they always hate.
0: Uh, what are we giving it? We're giving send it, it send back. it back, right? Send yeah. it back. Okay. Let's send, send it the, the fuck back. back. Uh, My Big Fat Greek Wedding 2 is out now and is rated PG-13 for some suggestive material. That brings us to our second movie of the week, Batman versus Superman, colon, Dawn of Justice. Thank you. Fearing the actions of Superman are left unchecked. Batman takes on the man of steel while the world wrestles with what kind of hero it really needs. With Batman and Superman fighting each other, a new threat, Doomsday, is created by Lex Luthor. It's up to Superman and Batman to set aside their differences, along with Wonder Woman, to stop Lex Luthor and Doomsday from destroying Metropolis.
1: Human beings have a horrible track record of Tragic. following people with great power.
0: Power corrupts. And absolute power, power corrupts. Absolutely. Absolute chaos.
1: Maybe he's just a guy trying to do the right no, we thing. We know better now, don't we? <laughs> Devils don't come from hell beneath us. They brought their warrior. No, they come from the sky. The world has been so caught up with what he can do that no one has asked what he should do. That's how it starts.
0: It feels like every week there's a new superhero movie that we're talking about. Is this going to end anytime soon or should I just strap in and get used to it?
1: Strap in, strap on. It's not going to change, <laughs> uh, because of the licensing. It's because for mm. the studios to keep the licensing with the you know these fucking tyrants who run like DC and Marvel.
0: Wait, aren't they owned by the same?
1: No, DC. No. And,
0: one of them is owned by Disney.
1: I don't know. <laughs> Point being that to keep the license, they need to make a new movie every two years oh. um, or they lose the license.
0: And then someone else to make a movie. That's why
1: there are so many. And that's like why they're like, why are we rebooting this already? It's because like for Spider-Man, if they didn't reboot it when they rebooted it, then they were going to lose the license. So it's all comes down to licensing deals. They know like they're not crazy. <laughs> they're not like, I think we can really do better this time. Yeah. You know, four years after the last one. Um, it's it's just a matter of licensing and wanting to, you know, like hold on to it so they can keep, you know, dipping into that cash cow. And it works. It keeps making money. Yeah, they do keep making money. So as long as like, like we always, you know, talk about when it comes to discussions of diversity and everything, it's just about the bottom line. It's a business. And that's why there are always so many of these. But and at
0: this point, is it worth it for me and anyone else who has not yet taken the plunge into any of the superhero worlds? I saw the first X Men. Um, <laughs> should I start watching these? Is that should really I start? all yeah, you saw? That's the only one I've seen.
1: That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's impressive. That that you like you have to like consciously make that decision. You have to fight to not see any of these because I feel like it's so pervasive. It's, I feel like I've lost untold days and weeks of my life having to sit through all these various iterations and reboots and and, and they don't stick. They don't stick. Yeah. And they're just disposable because then the next one comes rolling along. Right. And then there's one right after that and Everyone's one right after liked that.
0: Everyone's like that one with the raccoon.
1: Yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy. There's a second one of those coming out too. So it, we'll see how that goes.
0: So is this the place to jump in? Is this the place to start?
1: Um, I guess. So it's, it's, Yeah, I guess. I'm like, I can't, I'm not going to, like, recommend this movie. So it's not like, by getting into this movie, you're going to suddenly understand the whole, like, mythology of it all. Mm -hmm. Because it's a bad place to start. I mean, the thing is, it's a reboot, in a way. It's rebooting Batman. It's a continuation of a Superman timeline that already started when Zack Snyder, the director, made the last Superman movie that also starred Henry Cavill and Amy Adams. So this is a continuation of that storyline. So it's a bad place to start, really, in any sense, I guess, because start with that one if you actually care about Zack Snyder's Superman. And then Batman, it's a whole new Batman, and it is completely disregards the pre- any previous Batman stories. Completely disregards them. Disregards the Nolan timeline. Disregards anything that happened to any of those movies. Um, it even makes us watch Bruce Wayne's parents get murdered Again. Yet a fucking again. Again. That's never, and that's never not disturbing. And it's such a horrible thing to continually like just shove in our faces as viewers, like right. watching this boy watch his parents get brutally shot in the street.
0: Yeah. Actually, that does remind me. I did see the Christopher Dill, the one with the, where um, Christian Bale talks. Oh,
1: yeah. Crazy. I did oh, see yeah. that. Oh, yeah. So, and by the way, um, the the Batman deep voice in this is a, an effect. It's not Ben Affleck just going, <sighs> In this time it's a computer effect to make his voice sound deeper whenever he goes from Bruce Wayne voice to Batman. Oh, voice. so
0: it's the same one we use on you. Yes. Oh, excellent. <laughs> yes. I know all you, about that.
1: May you guys never hear my natural speaking voice. <laughs> <laughs> it's rough. It's like basically like in Roger Rabbit, whenever they go <laughs> when they go into the dip.
0: Um okay, so even though this is kind of like but this is supposed to be like the story. It's Batman versus Superman. These are like the two biggest Right. dudes um, why are two guys fighting each other? Is it a is it a miscommunication? Is it over a girl?
1: I think it's there was a snafu when they're filing their their joint taxes. <laughs> no, it's Fine. a it's Don't a get married. It's a dick majoring contest. That's all it is. Okay. and uh, and and the funny thing is that I feel like there's actually like a, a parallel to be drawn between this and the primaries. because because they are each I will I will go on they're each they're each these kind of giant larger-than-life public figures uh that are constantly being discussed by like pundits and in the press and each of them has kind of bought into the rhetoric the lines of rhetoric against the other and so each one points the other and says that guy's a menace and uh and so and they're just sort of like having this big you know battle of the egos over like which one of them deserves to get to save the world and which one of them has like purer motives and meanwhile like everyone out there is just kind of like i fucking hate you both uh <laughs> you're both terrible you both done have you both have done fucked up shit you're
0: both destroying the city yeah
1: you're both vigilantes at the end of the day um
0: interesting so wait do, do they actually mirror any of the real candidates in their sort of their ideologi- ideologies or like the way that the country is viewing them
1: Mm, i'm looking i guess like okay yes um you could say that bruce wayne is trump and superman is cruz because oh. superman is an alien you're uh-huh.
0: uh- <laughs> <laughs> gonna have to tweet that we're gonna lead with that tweet
1: <laughs> so superman is an alien um and he is very sort of like He's, he's like a he's like a real he's a pure conservative okay and then bruce wayne is like the trump because he's sort of like the seedy businessman and he's rich and he's super wealthy and he kind of has like underhanded methods and superman's like well you are not a good person and bruce <laughs> wayne's like what do i care uh so yeah so i think yes thank you i, I wasn't sure if there was a thing there but i think that's what oh, they good. are i'm glad yeah
0: um, so this is completely off the Christopher Nolan timeline. Did you like that? The Christopher Nolan Batman films?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that he made the best um, certain. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say the best Batman movies ever, but I mean, I think we all know Batman Returns is the best Batman movie ever with Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman.
0: Oh, is that the one with? Uh...
1: Danny DeVito as a penguin.
0: Mm-hmm. And yeah. Batman was? Uh... Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton. Yeah.
1: So, but no, Christopher Nolan made art out of those films at a time when like all the superhero movies that were being made leading up to those were very vapid and were just very just like bright garbage. Mm-hmm. So he did something so unexpected with what he did. He brought like an auteur's hand to the trilogy, and I think that by the end, you know, I think the first movie was good. I don't think there is a lot of fun in rewatching it. The okay. second movie, The Dark Knight, is just a complete masterpiece, and then The Dark Knight Rises is like eh, it's, it's it has its moments, but it's okay. not it's not perfect. So, but all, all, all in all, I would say that I definitely trusted Christopher Nolan. I trusted what, where he was going with the films. Oh man, I could not, could not feel differently about Zack Snyder. Yeah, than I tell do. me but,
0: about Zack Snyder, kind of in general.
1: Zack Snyder is the anti-Nolan. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Zack Snyder had, was first, you know, getting well known for movies like Watchmen. Is that another? And it's it well it's another it's based on like a graphic novel. Okay. Um I think he did three hundred. Oh okay. um, so he did um he <laughs> uh he did the one Sucker Punch. Uh like the like the weird rock opera oh, about yeah. like the uh-huh. girls in the mental asylum. So okay, so Zac okay. Zack Snyder is the leading hack in Hollywood of these filmmakers who are able to build like these really big images, these really eye-catching, like distinctly stylish visuals that suggest content and meaning and substance and are just completely bankrupt and empty and meaningless. Oh. So like you're watching the movie and like you can be tricked into thinking like, "Oh, this is this is this is good. Like look how serious it is. Mm-hmm. Look at these visuals." But like, it's just there's these movies are soulless, they're soulless, they're heartless, they're joyless, they're brainless, they're so fucking bad. And he is able to just like put his distinct visual twist on them. And then you're like, Oh, that's pretty to look at, I guess. Okay. But like, but there's, they're so empty. But Again,
0: they... like Ted Cruz, beautiful to look at, but just, just like... heartless and soulless.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. If you look under the surface of this movie, you will see Ted Cruz's face glaring back at you. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a wide awake nightmare. Uh, so yeah, so they're really empty, but they carry themselves with the solemnity of a Christopher Nolan movie.
0: So it takes itself seriously. Yeah. It's no it fun at now. all.
1: Could not be less fun. <laughs> Oh. No, it's humorless. Uh, and it's fucking long. It is over two and a half hours long. Wow. Wow. I was furious. I didn't look before I went to go in to see it because I figured like, all right, well, I'm signing up for like, you know, two hours, give or take. Um, but I forgot that Zack Snyder always runs long because motherfucker cannot edit. And and yeah, before I knew it, like my night was just gone. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's... It literally could shave off an entire hour and would not lose much for it. Like, it just carries itself with, the, with with just such, like, such somber, like, moo. It's very mopey. It's very moody. And Is this a
0: white guy pantheon?
1: It might be a white guy pantheon. Um, so, it's mopey and moody like Nolan, but without the actual, like, bruised soul that was under those movies. Mm-hmm. So, it's it's, oh, my God.
0: But... There's a woman in it. (laughs) Wonder Woman. Tell me about it. She kicking ass? She looks like she kicks ass.
1: So and Oh boy. (laughs) So when you see Wonder Woman in the movie in the trailer, that's the first time you see her in uniform, uh, in the movie. And that point in the movie comes over two hours into the running time.
0: Oh. She's barely in the movie.
1: And yeah, you get maybe three more minutes of her in uniform than you don't already see in the trailer. Oh, wow. Yeah. Is it
0: supposed to be a setup for a Wonder Woman
1: series? Yes, she is getting her own movie. There's a picture that just came out of it and it co-stars Robin Wright and Connie fucking Britton.
0: Oh, so you're over the moon!
1: Oh my god, (laughs) I'm perfectly fine with having sat through this movie if it gets me a movie with that cast. Wow! And uh, the actress who plays Wonder Woman is Gal Gadot. Uh, She is Israeli, uh, and she was a model, right? I believe so. Mm -hmm. And she's also in the IDF. And um, yes, and uh, and she's she's you know and she's that like Mossad? Yeah, the Israeli Defense Force. Yeah. Okay. So um, she is. She's fine. I mean, you don't get much of her. Like, basically, like she's in the movie kind of as her out of costume character, mm. um, in a couple of scenes, and all you know about her from those scenes is that she really favors a dress with like a bust cutout. Sure. I mean, um, who doesn't? Yeah. <laughs> so lots of lots of like diamond pattern cutouts over her tits in a variety of scenes. Oh. That kind of cutout, like a cutout. Gotcha. A cutout now of I understand. Dress. Yeah. So, um, and yeah, so I mean, she, just the fact that she's not American, she automatically seems interesting on screen, mm-hmm, you know, she mm-hmm. suggests, you know, some kind of inner life. So, you know, I'm optimistic, uh, for what will happen with her in the next, in her own movie. I'm glad she's getting one. That's fantastic. Uh, but yeah, this, she's barely in it. Um, if I, fucking honestly honestly, they, they ruined it by even showing her in the trailer. Oh, mm-hmm. this should have been a cameo. This should have been a surprise. That should have been something that was like, you like lose your fucking mind. You're like, oh shit, that was Wonder Woman the whole time. Mm-hmm. Like that could have been such a fun experience. Um, and instead they they'd give it to you in the trailer for something that's, that's a basically bummer. a cameo at the end. So yeah. they made a huge fuck up with that.
0: Um, are there any fun supporting performances in this movie?
1: There are a couple. <laughs> uh, so Jesse Eisenberg plays uh, Lex yes. Luthor and he goes way over the top. Into like, he, he he takes the full retard approach. Nope. To... Still
0: not okay. <laughs> Still not okay. It's a thing. What is it? It's not a thing. What's...
1: It is a thing. Okay,
0: let's get to what you, what do you mean when you say that?
1: Um, When I say that, I mean that he plays it like way distractingly over the top crazy.
0: So you're making a, you're making a comparison to Gilbert Grape?
1: No, not to Gilbert Grape. Full retard was and was coined about Sean Penn and I Am Sam in in the movie Tropic Thunder. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, no, it wasn't about Leo and Gilbert Grape. So yeah, so point being, that Jesse Eisenberg is really like distractingly like he's very very um, uh, flinchy and ticky and uh, and just... oh, it's
0: like the Danish girl. <laughs> he's,
1: he's, he's 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 like he he really makes that performance look understated. <laughs> uh, he it, He's he's acting just insanely in this movie And I couldn't tell Like it just felt labor It didn't feel like Oh he's like this really badass actor Who's just like batting around his scene partners It just mm-hmm. seemed like Jesse Eisenberg Trying really hard to be like mm-hmm, I'm a Crazy genie, and I'm also Jesse Eisenberg Oh gosh, Like yeah so there was that um, So one notable thing also in the movie Is that Jeremy Irons Plays the first ever hot Alfred Oh yes,
0: yeah, that's never happened. New. No. <laughs> I'm thinking of like the TV show.
1: Uh, nope. No, so yeah, not, never in history have we had a hot Alfred in a Batman movie, <laughs> but now we have, and uh, and and Jeremy Irons just smoldering away, uh, lurking around Wayne Manor, and then we have Holly Hunter who plays mm-hmm. a Kentucky senator who says the word unilateral twice. <laughs> <laughs> unilateral. We can't have people making unilateral decisions. <laughs> I
0: want to do Hollyoakie. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's so good.
0: Um, just, and for anyone who may have had that idea, it's not Jennifer Jason
1: Lee. <laughs> uh, Note who's, to sell. Who's,
0: who are we holding responsible for the fact this movie sucks?
1: It's all Zack Snyder's fault. Yeah. It's entirely Zack Snyder's fault. This is the kind of movie he makes, and he keeps doing it, and they keep hiring him to do it because he knows his way around his spectacle. And, you know, his movies make money. Mm-hmm. And uh, But he is hes an abomination. Wow. <laughs> he is an abomination as a filmmaker. Um, and uh, and I know the last Superman movie had fans just because the one that came before that, people hated so much. The one with Brandon Routh and Kate Bosworth um, that, like, Bryan Singer directed. Oh. That was in like 2008 or something. I think I had like one friend who was a staunch defender of that movie. And the whole rest of the world was like, that movie sucks. So just the <laughs> fact that there was like a Superman movie that was like giving people the kind of, they were tricking them with the overall sensory experience and the feeling like they were watching one of like the good kind of x men movies. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they, they they look like they're well-made. It's kind of similar to like the whole like Inuit 2 thing where like great filmmaking does mm-hmm. not equal a great film. Yeah so Zack Snyder is a great like visualist a great stylist um and you know a great you know he's really able to like put together like the palette of like what colors he's going to use in a scene Mm -hmm. and and you know composition and all those things are really really good but like it's just empty it's all it's all it's all dressing up something that's just there's just nothing underneath it it's pure artifice
0: lipstick on a pig lipstick on a pig uh what are you rating this one send it back send it back um Batman versus Superman: colon, Dawn of Justice is out now and it's rated for PG-13 for intense sequences of violence and action throughout and some sensuality. That brings us to movie number 3, which is Krisha, the pick of the week.
1: Pick of the week. Pick of the week. Pick 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 is the pick, pick of
0: the week. week. returns for Thanksgiving dinner after 10 years away from her family. But past demons threaten to ruin the festivities. I have stayed away while I was healing myself. You are a lever. You are heartbreak incarnate.
1: If you think you can just pop in and pop out of people's lives like this, you are malinformed.
0: Okay, Crescia. Well, Kreisha. how is this movie made?
1: Yeah, so it's Kreesha, not Keisha. Or as Krishna. My, yes, as my autocorrect would refuse to learn the word. <laughs> <laughs> refuse, <laughs> just abjectly refuse to learn the word no matter How many times I typed it? I'm like, listen, autocorrect. I know it's not a name, but you got to stick with me <laughs> on this. Just trust if I've typed it that many times, that's what I mean. So, uh, so this movie, uh, it's an independent movie that won the John Cassavetes award at the independent spirit awards this Mm -hmm. year, even though it had not yet been released. Uh, it, it was nominated and it won and the Cassavetes award is for the best movie that was made for under $500,000. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so this movie was made on a shoestring budget and this was really a, this was a family affair. So uh, the movie is written, directed, and edited by this guy named Trey Edward Schultz, who stars in the movie as the estranged son of the title character, Cresha. And Cresha herself is played by a woman named Cresha Fairchild, who mm-hmm. is Trey's aunt. In real life. In real life. And then Trey's mother, in real life, plays his aunt mm-hmm. in the movie, who is Cresha's sister. So uh, and then uh, and then also the grandmother, uh, his grandmother is in the film.
0: Oh, that's his real grandmother. That's
1: his real grandmother. And actually, the reason why everyone has their real first names in this movie is because the grandmother has dementia
0: oh wow yeah
1: and so they didn't want her to try to have to learn new names and so that's why everyone has their real name oh interesting so they could shoot with this grandma that like Trey just loved and wanted to get in the movie
0: that's amazing this is also filmed in like the family house right yeah
1: it was filmed in his mother's house his mother it's like his mother Robin's house in Houston Hmm. that's where the whole thing is filmed so this this whole thing is just a family production, and I the first time I really knew that was when they won the César Award at the Spirit Awards, and then Trey came on stage with Robin and Kresha, mm-hmm. and uh, and was talking about how this is just something that he made with his family, and I'm just like I wish my family made shit. <laughs> 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 and like the most, you know, creative thing we've all done together is like you know play fucking intense rounds of of Monopoly on Thanksgiving morning. Oh that's, no, it's pretty much the extent of it. <laughs> Although that did <laughs> that does get pretty much as tense as uh, as <laughs> things get in does? this movie.
0: Um. So his aunt, Kresha, was an actress, is an actress? Where did she come from?
1: Yeah. So it turns out Cresha and I should also note, so this is Trey, Trey's directorial debut. So right. this, this is his first movie and it's a fucking doozy of a debut. Mm-hmm. It's so assured in its tone, its mood, its technique. It's really incredible. Um, so Cresha uh, Fairchild had moved to LA some years ago to try to become an actress and if you look at her IMDB filmography, as I did today, um, it's, it's kind of funny slash sad because you just see like a lot of, like, really, like, bit parts and, like, weird projects mm-hmm. starting in, like, the very early 90s. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So she had tried. She gave it a shot, um, and it didn't work out, and she got frustrated, and she moved away from, from Hollywood. Um, and now here she is, and she's in her 60s, and she is the star of this kind of really hot indie title. Mm-hmm. And uh, and she is phenomenal. Holy shit, is yeah. this an amazing actress. This
0: is really it's a it's a character study of her, and she does not fail.
1: No, no. Um, and it's 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 high stakes, definitely <laughs> highest definitely. highest emotional stakes. Yeah, this is
0: a piece that would not go to like uh, you know if it was a Hollywood movie, it wouldn't go to like a new actress. It would go to a, no. some seasoned vet. Yeah, the the
1: amplitude at which this plays. And there were things like thoughts I was having watching the movie. I was thinking about just the power of an of an of a real, unaltered human face, mm. because there are lots of close-ups of her mm-hmm. in in moments when she's by herself, when she's just kind of away from the family, just trying to trying to get a grip, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we what we know about her pretty quickly in the beginning is that this is a struggling sort of addict, yeah, who is estranged from her family and has come home unexpectedly to join them for Thanksgiving and they are all trying to kind of be cool with that and kind of roll with it but it's so palpable like watching them just try to constantly keep her kind of like know kind of like coddled and kind of like de-escalated to be like yeah hey yeah hey sure what's going on yeah hey crecia
0: yeah the whole movie is a a, a bunch of coddling like they coddle the grandmother who's older Mm -hmm. they coddle the sons right and then her it's like a lot of placating which is yeah placating yeah very familiar family very real it's very
1: real it feels very authentic and uh and then she is just doing that thing that addicts do when they're like I'm good, you know? I'm yeah. good. I'm I'm totally no, I'm good. And they just want so desperately to just be like just just talk to me like I'm a normal healthy person. Right, right. Um like I can do this. Like no, I'm totally good. And mm-hmm. um and but you know, like any addict should know um, that, like, the last thing, like, you know, nothing triggers an act like the holidays. Right. Um, so, uh, and that's actually going back to the family roots of this movie. This was inspired by something that happened at one of their family's actual gatherings. Really, um, Not involving and She was not the problem. But um, Christmas in 2011, they had um, a woman in their family who had kind of an episode like the one Kreisha has in this movie. And within two months, she had died of an overdose. Oh, no. And so and then Trey just went and locked himself away and just like wrote this story. Originally, it was a short film. And uh, the, the short had played at Sundance and it won a prize, and then it came back with a feature, and that won a prize too. Oh wow! Um, so yeah, so it's really it's rooted in real family pain, and I think, which is why it feels so authentic and so intimate, and so mm-hmm. like you like you know these characters, like each character you're saying you're like yes, like that I, I recognize that person, right? And you know, and part of that is just his lens, like him just being like these these some of them are his real family. And mm-hmm, otherwise, yeah. he's like, these are observable family dynamics that I think that a lot of us can relate to.
0: This seems like it was like it, it would have all the uh, ingredients to fail. Like you're mm-hmm. using your own family, de- directorial debut, low budget. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even there are some things like the audio is not very clear. It's like kind of off. It's like not the most professional audio. Um, some of that's but, on purpose, I think. When well, like, yeah, well, that's, like when the, that's when where I'm going. Okay. Uh, it set, it sets a tone of... of of being a very relatable it like puts you in almost like a home video situation Mm -hmm. um which i think makes it makes you able to connect to the character makes it easier to connect to the characters um and he he does take some like adventurous camera angles um yes
1: so i yeah it's a really the thing there's this interesting kind of tension contrast in the movie between the subject matter and the characters which could not be more naturalistic could not be more human Mm -hmm. um could not be more grounded and then his filmmaking style, which is very expressionistic mm-hmm. and kind of borderline hallucinogenic at times. Yeah. And yeah. so like, it really, it really puts you in Crecia's shoes. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's saying like you just kind of have to walk in her shoes, um, throughout the course of what's essentially a real time chronicle of, of, of a breakdown. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the way that he shoots it and the way that he plays with different styles and techniques and camera tricks and stuff like that yeah. is at times I was kind of like, I don't know if this is more distracting or, you know, or if it's helping. Um, but I think that, you know, I think that overall, I think it's, you know, the, he he did take that approach. That's part of what makes this movie stand out. Because mm-hmm. I think if he had done like a more kind of stripped down, like traditional winter's bone, you know, frozen winter's river kind of, you know, you know, like straightforward um, filmmaking approach, then mm-hmm. it wouldn't have stand, it wouldn't stand out the way that it does.
0: Right. I mean, like there's these kind of like the swooping camera that happen yeah, of happens in the kitchen, mo- Never stops moving. Where it makes you feel like you're, it, there's like an energy in the kitchen that it creates. It makes you feel like you're standing there, and you're walking around in mm-hmm. it. Um, and also some of the audio, like as far as the audi- audio of capturing their voices, I thought it was like, it sounded like you're recording kind of without great audio in like a big lofty room which it is but then there are also these um this i guess that would be sound editing or sound effects there's mm-hmm. this like this it's not quite music um there there's just it's like these beats that are happening and right. it's like it, it puts you in her like as she's getting closer and you closer to a break. You get very brain. anxious. Yeah you it, get it very really anxious. builds the anxiety in the situation. It is an
1: original score and it's very yeah it's very plinkety. Mm-hmm. Very plinkety. <laughs> yeah that's
0: the word I was looking for.
1: And I saw I was reading a review of it today that was like it seemed it's a score that has been written in such a way as to disrupt your heartbeat mm, mm-hmm. and that's how it feels because you're, you're it, it like immediately when it starts to play and then they they turn up the volume of the score so that it's louder than the people talking mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so it was this the is just moving in like circles around the kitchen and is saying they're just trying to fucking white knuckle it through this meal and then you know and just you hear just the sound of her tension her anxiety and her fear and you know, while then like there's just like this like totally like dippy normal family standing around her just right. like doing Thanksgiving y things. And watching
0: sports. Watching yeah.
1: sports and, and asking her to like can you cut the vegetables? Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, it's 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 all part of that kind of expressionistic thing that this director created. Um,
0: there are a lot of movies about The holidays and the holidays being um, a tough time for families. Yeah. Um, What makes this this one different?
1: Well, I think it's all things we're talking about. I think that it's Trey Edward Schultz's filmmaking technique. I think that it's the story behind it. I think that it's, I mean, this is an this is an unrelentingly raw and bleak and dark um, picture of a family. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that it still has heart, though, because in all of the Mm -hmm. there's there's in particular there's a grueling. Um argument scene between krisha and her sister Robin, um that is so and and Robin has never acted before,
0: oh really? yeah I didn't no, know that.
1: she's never acted before and and like it just feels so authentic and so real. So I think it's that kind of it's just that intimacy. And that power. Um, and also like just the, the way the movie plays with, it feels like a horror movie at times. It does, yeah. Like some of like the, the music cues, these very just ominous dark strings will come in and we'll mm-hmm. just have like this really just unforgiving close up on Cresha's on face. And, yeah, there's this know,
0: part where there's like home movies playing in the back oh, where, yeah. it right, like where it feels it, like it's like on... set up for a horror movie. Yeah,
1: so it, it really, like I think just the different moods that it plays with um are all done really well and uh so i think yeah it's really it's the filmmaking it's the acting it's the story behind it all all the different parts of it are what make it stand out more than the average like the family stone type you know movie about his functional family getting together for the holidays
0: right i guess it would i mean there's something that makes uh, a super polished movie so removed from the fact of what actual families are like that Mm -hmm. that this movie kind of fills that gap um what did you think this movie was about
1: uh I think that it was you know I think it really is just the chronicle it, it's just a chronicle of a, of a meltdown it's a chronicle of a, of a of a struggling addict uh and it 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 quite literally show it ends you know with you know not to get spoilery but like it basically just shows you from beginning to end you know from like the beginning of trying to be like oh, I can do this I can do this even though we see her outside the house and she's already muttering and you can see how on mm-hmm. edge she is even before she gets in the house yeah and then you see her try to like turn on for everybody, and try to be like social and engaging, and try to overpower all the awkwardness of mm-hmm. her being there unannounced. And then you know it it, it doesn't end in a happy way, right? Uh, it ends pretty abruptly, and uh, you know with things just kind of getting to their worst. Yeah. And um, so it's 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 just kind of it's it's people. It's funny that it won the Cassavetti's award because a lot of critics compared to John Cassavetti's films. Um, and, uh, you know, I think especially looking at something like a woman under the influence, mm. um, mm-hmm. you know, like this is just watching a woman fall apart and just trying ev- with everything she has not to, um, but she just bit off more than she can chew. Right. And so I think it just kind of, it makes you, cause I think every family has like a of sorts. Mm-hmm. And so it just kind of forces you to just sort of become one with her and just walk with her over this, this kind of nightmare, of several hours, right. uh, with her family. And it's, it's it's very powerfully done.
0: So this is the pick of the week.
1: Yeah. Go
0: ahead and see it. is out now, and it's rated R for language, substance abuse, and some sexual content. Thank you. Thank you for listening.
1: <laughs> is that it? That's it. That's the end yeah. of the show. All right. That's all
0: we have for this week. Um, be sure to subscribe to The Binge if you haven't yet on iTunes or wherever it is that you get your podcast fix. You addict. Um you can find us it's at... Not cool after the creature talk. Okay, Come on. too soon.
1: <laughs> um, you're at
0: thebinge.us.
1: Thebinge.us. And I am at Fight Balance on Twitter. And I am at the Jason Leroy. And uh, hey guys, next week we're going to have a cool interview coming your way. Uh, earlier this week I sat down for a one-on-one with Jeff Nichols, uh, the writer-director of Midnight Special, who previously did Mud and Take Shelter, which are two fantastic movies. And the new one's fantastic too. Uh, So you'll have that to look forward to next week as well as a usual review roundup. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Binging on movies with Rebecca and Jason. You made it to the end, that's amazing. There There goes the binge.